So many stories fill the pages of life. Some chapters you can be proud to tell. Others you would rather skip. The day life really turns a page is when you let God be the author of your story. Let God write your story and you'll live a story worth telling. My story, I decided to start. Well, hey, good morning, everybody. Well, thanks for being here today and spending part of your morning with us. If you're here for the first time, my name is Donnie Williams. I'm the lead pastor here, and I'll be out at the welcome experience after this service, and I would love to meet you. So please stop by there for five minutes or so and, and say hello. So we're starting the series today, and it's about you. Not just about you, it's about something that you have, and that is your story. Good, bad, indifferent success, failure, whatever it is, you have a story to tell. And for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about how to make that a story that's worth telling others. There's so many parts of my story I would love to tell you, but we don't have enough time. It's a little complicated. But if you ever want to sit down with me over coffee, you just email me, come up and say, hey, let's make that happen. I would love to tell you the whole thing because I think you would walk away going, God really can use anybody. And he will, even you, even me. The part of my story I want to share with you is the part when, well, a long time ago, really long time ago, so many years, uh, it was in college, in the late 80s, and my roommate came to me and he said, Donnie, you need to get a hold of yourself. Because the way I was living, he, was, he, he could just see a disaster coming. He said, man, you got to get a hold of yourself. And so I did. I accepted an invitation to church. I met a lot of people that I assumed would be weird, but they weren't, and I got connected with this group of college kids that taught me about Jesus and guided me through that decision to accept Jesus as my Lord, and I started hanging out with them, and the first thing they invited me to outside of church was a costume party, and so I got dressed up like a clown. It wasn't creepy in the late 80s to dress up like a clown, so I dressed up like a clown. I go to this party, and I just remember being at that party thinking, this is how you're really supposed to have fun. We were in a barn out in the country playing games, enjoying each other's company. There was this blue crayon there that I remember this really pretty girl was dressed up like a blue crayon. I remember that. But my story could have gone many different ways. Many different ways that would have prevented me from being right here talking to you. Because growing up, things were tough for me. Broken home, single parent, made a lot of really bad decisions, bad things happened to me. And so that story could have gone either way, but it didn't. And it didn't because I said, I'm going to start living differently. I'm going to start implementing some things into my life that I believe are going to make a big difference. See, every life tells a story. Everyone. There's not a life that has ever been that doesn't tell a story. And it's your responsibility to make it a story worth telling. So we're going to be talking about, since we're at the beginning of the year, some new stuff, some new commitments. Don't we all make commitments at the beginning of the year? Even people who say, I don't make commitments, you made a commitment at the beginning of the year. But here's the reality we need to let sink in as we think about our stories that our lives tell. That I am now living 
the results of the decisions I've made in the past. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you and how you reacted to it, your life today is the sum total of the decisions that you made in the past. Now, maybe you had a tragedy happen to you that was no fault of your own. Your life is still the sum total of the results of how you reacted to that. And here's something I want everybody to remember over the next few weeks. Today's decisions write tomorrow's story. Let's read that out loud together. Today's decisions write tomorrow's story. Now, those of us who are a little bit older, here's what we say to you younger folks, especially you students. The early you, earlier you learn that in life, the better life's going to go, right? Can I hear get an amen from the older folks? The earlier you learn that today's decision writes tomorrow's story, the better life's going to go for you. If you take students, let's get them, say, let's get them up to 21 years old, and you say, who was successful and who wasn't, whether it was morally, academically, physically, financially, whatever, the ones that are successful are the ones that look out into the future and understand that the decisions I make right now have influence on what my life is going to be like in the future. And students, if you can figure that out now, while you're young, while you still got this really long runway at life, you're going to have a lot less regret. You're going to live with a lot less turmoil inside if you figure out early on in life, hey, the decisions I'm making right now, they bear consequences in the future. Now, we all know that, especially those of us that have lived a few decades. We understand that my decisions, you know what they affect? Everything. They affect my personal health. I don't know what it is, and maybe you can relate to this. I have no problem stepping on the scales and enjoying what I see in the warm summer months. I don't. From like spring all the way through late fall, I feel really good about myself. But once the days start getting shorter and I start sitting around more, I start watching that number go up and up and up, and I'm not satisfied with it. Anybody else do that? Like, you know, pack it on in the wintertime? And here I am again at the beginning of a year, counting my calories and making sure I hit the gym. You know whose problem that is? Mine. I wouldn't call up Krispy Kreme and say, how dare you make high calorie snacks that I love? I wouldn't go to five guys and say, you got to shut this place down. You make stuff that makes me gain weight. It's not their fault. It's my fault. I'm the one that's responsible for that. And I'm not talking about a body shape or size or a weight. I'm talking about health. And we all are responsible for our own health. My decisions also affect the quality of the relationships in my life. The relationship decisions I make today are going to determine the health of my relationships in the future. How I invest in community, with friends, in my marriage, if you're married. If you're married, every decision you make on what you do with your time is either going to move your relationship further apart or closer together. And parents, our desire for our kids is that they grow up happy and healthy and functional. And kids, you need to know our job as parents is to help you reduce regret in life is to help guide you in a way when you're younger that you don't have regret when you're older. 
you may think we're not cool now, but we were one day. And so we're just trying to set you up as best as possible so you have the best chance of having the least amount of regret. Now, even the best parenting, you can do everything right. And when they get out of your house, they could still make really stupid decisions. Decisions you didn't equip them to make, but they're going to do it anyway. But we know as parents, the best chance that you have is for us to invest in you. Little decisions over time invested in a relationship will always pay big dividends. Now, you can wait too late in a relationship, in a marriage, in parenting, or you can get on it now and start to make the right decisions that'll pay off over time. Think about your bank balance right now, if you know what it is. I probably just depressed a lot of people. Whatever amount of money you have in the bank is the sum total of the decisions you've made financially. Whether you decided to major in this or that or go to school or not or take this job or that job or use debt rather than cash or charge up a credit card rather than wait till you could afford it, whatever the decisions are that you have made financially, you can see that reflected in the amount of financial resources that you have. And we have to understand that the greatest, the greatest influence on my story was in the mirror when you got ready this morning. And they'll be in the mirror tomorrow morning. And what we have to understand, it's nobody else's fault. If I'm going to write a story that's worth telling, the first thing I have to understand is I need to take personal responsibility for my story. I need to understand that I'm the one that makes the relationship decisions on what I do proactively and even what I do reactively. The health decisions, the financial decisions. One of the things that if you notice the life stories that we tell on the screen every few weeks and you hear somebody tell their story, one of the things you notice if you watch over time, you'll start to hear some themes as people are talking about breaking addictions or making a fresh start or abuse maybe that they had or indifference that they lived with or struggling with their faith, you'll hear some themes. And they may not use these exact words, but here are the themes that you'll hear. You'll hear people say, you know, I decided to start. Some people say, I decided to stop. Some people say, I, I decided to go. And that's what these three weeks are about. I decided to start, I decided to stop, and I decided to go. We're going to look into the Bible, and we're going to see through stories in Scripture how people have always struggled with writing the best story they can write. And the ones that do are the ones that make those small decisions over time that make a big difference. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. Just raise your hand if you want one. It's yours to keep, or you can also follow along on the screen. Now, the basis for starting or stopping or going or anything in our lives, especially if we're followers of Christ, we have to understand something. We cannot write a perfect story. We cannot make our perfect story, our story perfect, because guess what? You're going to make a mistake. 
Something's going to come out of left field that you never expected. You're going to do something you never dreamed you would do, good or bad. So you cannot write a perfect story, but I can introduce you to someone who can in your life. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says this, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. If you want to have perfect faith in your life, you will not be able to create it. But Jesus can. And what he does, he invites us into what's called here a race. And he wants to run with you. And he wants to run in such a way that you write a story with your life that's worth telling. So whether you realize it or not, you are living a story right now that's entirely composed of the decisions you've made in the past. And if you don't get anything else today, remember this. I don't even want to write this down. My reality today is the direct result of yesterday's choices. Now, it's easy to blame others, especially if something very bad has happened to us because of somebody else. But what good does that do to blame somebody else for where I am in life? Because we can all probably name people who have, who have endured very difficult circumstances, who have had really bad things happen to them, and then somehow they come together with God and their story is written in a beautiful, inspiring way. And they turn it around because they place their faith in God to write the story in their life. So when it comes to living a story we're proud of, for many of us, the first adjustment that we need to make is we need to start something. And what I mean by starting something is not like run out and start your business or, or start a new job. I'm talking about something much more micro than that. Small behaviors and habits and disciplines. Starting with small investments that add up to big payout over time. The small thing of not eating that piece of cake today. Or the small thing of throwing out all the sweets that you know aren't good for you. The small investment of saying, honey, let's go on a date. Let's get a sitter and let's just spend the day together. The small investment of saying, I'm not going on that trip. I don't really need to. I'm going to stay home with my kids. I'm going to invest in them. The small investment of saying, I want to go ahead and take a step and be involved in community with other people. That's why we provide a next step for everybody every week to get involved in something outside of sitting in these rows where you can create community. Maybe that's the small step for you. And today we're going to look at a guy in the Old Testament who made small investments over time and it paid off big in his life when a crisis hit. Because nobody says... Hey, it's Tuesday. Yesterday I woke up in debt, unhealthy, and my marriage was falling apart, but today I worked it all out. It doesn't work that way. But you will hear stories of, over time, we made small investments that made a big difference, whether it's financial or physical or relational or spiritual. The guy we're going to talk about, his name is Daniel. 
You may have heard of Daniel if you went to Sunday school or you've read your Bible or listened to Bible stories. Daniel's the guy that ended up in the lion's den. So Daniel in the lion's den. That's probably how you've heard about it if you've heard it all. And the way Daniel got in the lion's den started many years before when the Jewish nation was taken captive by Persia. And so the king of Persia had all of these Jewish prisoners, these captives. They'd been conquered, but he started noticing this guy, Daniel, who seemed to be wise, who seemed to have ethics that others didn't have. And he was so impressed with this former enemy that he invited him into his court to be an administrator. And that's where the problem started. Because even then, like today, politics was a nasty business. And so the other politicians who weren't Jewish did not like Daniel having this high position because he was elevated to one of the chief administrators. And so they started thinking, how can we find some mud to sling on Daniel to get him out of this position? We pick up that story in the Old Testament book of Daniel, chapter 6. It says, Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. But they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful always responsible, and completely trustworthy. So they concluded, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. And so they realized we have to do something that goes to the core of Daniel's convictions, and that was his relationship with God. And so they go to King Darius, and he doesn't know about this plan, but they say, you are the king, you are the God that everybody should be worshiping, No one should pray to any other God but you for the next 30 days. And the king says, well, makes sense to me. And so he signs the law. And the law says that if anybody does, they will be thrown into the den of lions by the king and his officials. And so then what happens? Daniel has a choice. And the choice is, do I pray to God Or do I pray to this man and maybe suffer the consequences? So his choice was worship God or worship man. And it says in verse 10, it says, But Daniel learned that the law had been signed. He went home, knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. So he prayed. Anyway, even people who just maybe casually go to church or casually believe in God or say, yeah, I believe in God. If a crisis hits in your life, you're on your knees saying, oh God, answer me, help me, do something. When we all hit a crisis, we want to know there's got to be something bigger than me because I can't fix this and this is bad. And even people who would say, I'm an atheist will inevitably give prayer a try when they get some bad news. God, I got nothing else. It's all falling apart. I'm out of options. What do you got? Even people who are against God will pray to him in the moments of despair. 
But that's not what's happening with Daniel. See, praying to God for him was not a new thing. Because if you look a little closer, the rest of that verse, after it says that he knelt down with, the, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, it says he prayed three times a day just as he had always done giving thanks to God. Trusting in God and praying was nothing new to Daniel. It wasn't like, I'm in trouble, I guess I better pray. Day after day, month after month, year after year, Daniel had invested in this relationship with God. So when the crisis hit, he knew what to do. God is there for us in a crisis. But when we wait till the crisis hits, you know how hard it is to hear him? You know how hard it is to know what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to react? If you wait until there's a crisis in your life to then cry out to God, he'll answer you, he'll save you, he'll redeem you. But it's going to be very difficult to hear what you're supposed to do next if you haven't consistently built that foundation of confidence in him along the way. Because when confusion comes into our life, we need nothing more than direction from God. But oftentimes we wait until the confusion is so loud and the noise is too much and we don't know what to do next. When things financially fall apart, when you lose your job or your transmission goes out in your car, your engine blows, unexpected medical bills, if you have not prepared little by little over time, that can devastate you. And then what happens? Well, then you have to have a car that runs because you've got to get to work. And that's when people pull out the credit card and they start charging because you don't have another choice. It's hard to make good financial decisions in the middle of a crisis when you've never made good financial decisions. When you go to the doctor and he says, you need open heart surgery, you need bypass it's kind of late to start saying, hey, I'm going to start diet and exercise. I'm going to start eating the right way. Now, you can take medicine, you can get surgery, it'll save your life. But the, the damage is, it's irreversible once you get to the place where that's happening to you. But what if you had made little investments in your money, in your health, in your relationships over time? See, relationships can get to a place where somebody says, I want out of this. I'm done. I'm finished. Sign these divorce papers and let me out. Well, honey, could we go on a date? It's a little late for that. When it's gotten to that point, God can always work. It can always be saved. But there's times when it's too late. When it's just too late because you didn't make the little investments over time when your kids are driving away to college or to their job and you're thinking, I wish I would have spent more time with them. Now, you can always restart and start to spend more time with them as, a, as an adult, but nothing matches that small, consistent investment over time. So when Daniel got in the middle of this crisis, while he could have prayed and asked God could, to deliver and God would have, he just did what he had always done. He prayed. He understood that today's decisions write tomorrow's story. 
He understood that all along the way, I'm going to pray and develop this relationship with God. So when something does come into my life that I didn't expect, I'm going to know what to do. And he knew what to do, and he prayed. And then his enemies went to the king and said, look what Daniel has done. And the king did everything he could to prevent having to throw Daniel into the lion's den. But he couldn't because he'd already signed the law. And this is what happened. So at last the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, may your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with its own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God, whom you serve so faithfully, able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so they would not hurt me, for I've been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. Here's what we can't miss. Daniel started a discipline of obedience to God before the crisis hit. How? Day-to-day decisions. So here's a question to ask yourself. What decisions do I need to start making today to begin writing a better story with my life? Because you know what? You're going to write a story anyway. Your life's writing a story either way. It's not like you can say, no, I'm not going to write a story with my life. You don't have a choice. Your life is either going to be one people look at and say, don't do that. Or they're going to look at you and think, how inspirational. They made the right decisions. They made small investments over time. Or look at how they went through being mistreated or hurt or betrayed or getting bad news they didn't anticipate. Look at how they lived through that. Either way, your life is going to tell a story. Either way, good stuff and bad stuff is going to happen. Either way, you're going to make good decisions and bad decisions. But just imagine if we all wrote stories that people could look at and say, how inspiring to know that Jesus writes our story perfectly. No matter what's happened to us, no matter what we've done, he says, let me run with you and write your story. Let me make it a story worth telling. So if you're going to write a story anyway, why not make it a good one? So what decisions do you need to make to make January 2019 better? That might be a different decision for every person in this room. But you know what's going to happen anyway? January 2019. Unless Jesus comes back. We're going to be here next January, standing here, and you will have had 365 days to write a story with your life. That's happening no matter what you do. As long as you're still on this earth, that's happening. So why not write it in a way that you can look back and say, I am glad I started that. I'm glad I went to that costume party and met that blue crayon because I started pursuing her and eventually dated her and married her and we have a great life because I started, yeah, I started And I said, things aren't going to be the same anymore. Things are going to be different. 
So I'm going to offer you a couple of next steps that you can take. Some are concrete next steps that you can take and be a part of something outside of this room. Some are you'll just take privately in your own home. But if you're really struggling financially, and I would say at least half the people in here that if, if something big financially happened, it would devastate you. If the stock market didn't just keep doing this and it all of a sudden did that, you might be devastated. What would you do? What if you, maybe you're in the group that just can't seem to make the right financial decision. We have something for you. It's called Financial Peace University. And we would love it if you would sign up for that and participate. Because for some of you, you'll look back and say, I'm glad I started that. I started that and things are different now. Yeah, bad stuff still happens. Financial episodes of unexpected things come up. But we know how to handle it now because we're handling our money God's way. If that's a struggle for you and you're saying, I'm going to start living differently when it comes to my money, sign up for that class. Now, some of you, life's been tough because somebody hurt you. Somebody did you wrong. You got news that you never thought you would get. Somebody abused you, left you, mistreated you, and it hurts. And some of you have the same feelings, but it's because of decisions you made to hurt someone or to continue to take or use or look or whatever addiction that you have. One of the greatest things I believe we do as a church is a short-term group called Life's Healing Choices. I've heard more stories of people being freed in Christ out of that than anything else we've ever done. And if you're in any of those circumstances I just mentioned, Take the next step and be a part of that class. It starts January the 24th. It's short term. It's not even a big time commitment, but it will pay big dividends. And maybe for some of you, the simple next step that you're going to take is, I'm going to be Daniel where I, I'm with God every day. And I know his presence and I sense his presence. I feel his presence through prayer, through reading his word. You can do that at home every morning. There's plenty of things you can download or apps you can access to do a daily reading plan. Even if you only have two or three minutes, do it. And if you don't have time to read it, listen to it. There's a way to get God's word into you if you want to. And maybe that's the step you need to take. So when the crisis comes, you're better equipped to handle it. And maybe the best next step for you is not to do anything else alone. And that's to step out of these rows into a circle called a, a small group at our church. And you get in one of those and you start to get to know people and share life with them. So when relationship crisis comes, you have somebody to help you walk through it. That will change your life. And some of you, you keep coming to church, but you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus. And all you have to do today is There'll be one of our pastors down front, maybe a couple of them, and you can come down front. You can say, I'm ready to take that step. I've never followed Jesus before. I've been coming. Something keeps drawing me back. But the step I'm going to take, the investment I'm going to take today to write a better story with my life is I'm going to follow Jesus because I've heard he changes everything. And we'll guide you through that decision. So think about where you are right now relationally, physically, and spiritually. What advice would you give you? If you could talk to you outside of you and look into your life, what advice would you give you? 
to start? What would you say? You need to do that. Well, whatever that is, go do it. Whether it's sign up for one of these short-term groups, get deeper with God in daily devotion, get in a community of people or follow Jesus, do it. Start writing a better story with your life today. Start making those small investments and watch the story that God writes with your life. Let's pray. God, let us rid ourselves of everything that keeps holding us back. God, whether it's our health, our money, our relationships, whatever is holding us back, God, speak to us deep inside so we can start making those small investments today that'll pay off big down the road. And God, let us live with the knowledge this coming year that the decisions we make now write our stories for tomorrow. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.